0: Welcome to the Anthropology in Business Podcast, where you'll learn about the many ways anthropology is applied in business and why business anthropology is one of the most effective lenses for making sense of organizations and consumers. Through conversations with leading anthropologists working in advertising, marketing, consumer behavior, organizational culture, user experience, and many other roles, you'll learn firsthand what it means to do business anthropology and how the work differs from academic anthropology. We will discuss issues like the pace and depth of research in business, our visibility and influence as practitioners, and what we can do to build our brand. We will also focus on the value and impact of our research in business so that we can help business leaders understand why they should be hiring anthropologists. I'm your host, Matt Arts, a business anthropologist specializing in design anthropology and working at the intersection of product management, user experience, and business strategy. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. on am Matt Arts of the Anthropology and Business Podcast. I'm here today with a portion of the team from the Global Business Anthropology Summit in 2021 that will be happening virtually, uh, but is still sort of you know, it's a global endeavor, but in many ways it's sort of grounded in Berlin where it was originally planned to be held in 2020. So I'm here today with Christine Avernarius, Inga, and again, for anybody correct me if I'm wrong, Inga Treitler, and Alberto Gilimone. I probably got that wrong, but I did try my best there. Uh, it will be June 14th to June 18th. Uh, there's a great, there's about seven sessions, a whole bunch of events across the time across those days, all kinds of nice opportunities for business anthropologists and beyond. And so today we're going to talk about the summit, but we'll also get a little introduction from everybody here, their background and how they kind of you know, came into this process of planning it. And we'll talk a little bit about, you know, some of the challenges and opportunities of doing this, you know, originally doing, well, it was planned to be in 2020. So COVID happened and even now know, some of the challenges and opportunities with going virtual and then sort of towards the end for anybody who's listening that's maybe interested in planning their own events or just interested in how these things come together. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the logistics of planning it. How some of those logistics changed again during the course of Covid. Talk a little bit about the importance of uh, all the volunteers that have been involved in this and the skills that they've maybe learned or taken away from this. And then, of course, we'll kind of call attention to everybody who's been uh, a part of this larger endeavor endeavor because though the team on the on the uh, session today is is important, there's many more. so we want to make sure that we pay respect to all of them. So to start it off, um, maybe Christine, you want to maybe begin with your introduction? Tell us a little bit about how, just your background in anthropology and how you, you came to the summit.
1: Yes. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Hi, everybody. It's good to be here. Um I'm Christine Avenarius, or as we Germans would say, Avenarius, which Avena is basically old and it means old man. Um and I had the great fortune to meet Inga, who you meet in a moment. She will introduce herself very serendipitously in Berlin in two thousand no in <laughs> 2018, right. Um and we both discovered that we are anthropologists and we are practicing anthropologists. But my background is actually, um, for the longest time of my life, I was a professor for anthropology at East Carolina University in North Carolina in the United States. But as a German native, um, I was always longing to go back to the homeland. <laughs> and in 2017, after 20 years in North Carolina, I found a way to return to Germany with my then 14-year-old son and I returned to Berlin and I work now outside of academia, which is a story in and of itself. Um, I work for the skilled craft sector and um, run projects for government, for the government. Um, Yeah, and I met Inga, who will introduce herself soon, Um, and uh, she inspired uh, Mustafa, who's yet another team member, um, to host the Global Anthropology Summit in Berlin, and then I came on board, and we tell you all more about how this all came together in a minute. Thanks, Christine. Inga. Thank
2: Hello, hi. I'm Inga Treitler. I've been involved with global business anthropology since its launching in the in the launch event in. Uh, Detroit at Wayne State University but have a long, long history of working as an applied anthropologist in a whole lot of different arenas, just about every sector of the economy, I think, that could be named or invented Uh, and yes, it was a real serendipity moment when Christine and I met and and that was a delight um, and we just sort of ran with it, even though um, when anybody mentions the word volunteer, this is everybody, so Mm -hmm. all of our work is... um, out of our commitment to these ideas and in our um, not so abundant free time. But it's what we think is important and where I come from in this and how um, very briefly how Christine and I happened to bump into each other is because I had spent from 2014 on half of my year in Berlin. Uh, And part of what I was doing was pursuing a passion in what it means to be part of a sharing economy. So I was doing a whole lot of sort of informal uh, work, and then in the midst of that, there was. And I had been working in the United States on building apps in the sharing economy and testing things out. And then what suddenly happened was a global shift in the in the population, and many immigrants came to Berlin um, as seeking asylum out of conflict zones, and I became involved in guiding some of the, the developing apps that were in the Berlin economy for integrating, making integration simpler, creating better access to uh, newcomers. Um, and that that's what brought me to Berlin and why I stayed for so long until the pandemic uh, returned me to Knoxville, Tennessee. But before then, and what got me to Knoxville, Tennessee, was the uh, Oak Ridge National Laboratory, which is where I've done an enormous amount of work on um, environmental decision support. And I can go on, and anthropologists always do. So I'll stop at that a little bit. I have a very small period of my life that I was involved in academia and in teaching, and everything else has been to anticipate changes in economy and culture and to bring anthropological views and um, framings and the ability to reframe. Mm-hmm. And the summit has given me, and we'll talk a lot more about this, but it's given me a real opportunity to work with people of that rising generation that sees, see things really differently than I do. Uh, and the best part, almost the best part of working on the summit for me has been working with the interns who provide different language, who highlight different things. A second tremendous thing for me in working with the summit has been to actually realize, and I mean bring into realization something that's global. And that's what happened when it went virtual. And testing what that means from the idea of time zones to the idea of cultural nuance and communication styles and so on in building something has been a real uh, applied project in and of itself, and I hope that we have an opportunity to talk a little bit about that. And that's it for me. Thank you.
0: Exactly. <laughs> and
3: Alberto is the only non-anthropologist. Absolutely, yes. Hi, everyone. Uh, by the way, you pronounced it correctly. My name is Alberto Guglielmone. I'm 56. I'm Italian. I live and work in Milan. Uh, I spend my career basically as a as a manager working for marketing and advertising in either uh, companies and agencies um then i i had also uh experiences in, in international business development meaning opening branches uh outside europe like in asia like in uh, in um in the us actually having some experiences in the us and um combining these two aspects of business because i have a business background from my studies and the the interest of of cultures of, of uh, international um environment i i um, uh i fall in love with anthropology basically and i started uh, i started uh, attending um anthropology meetings actually and specifically i attended the 2019 um, summit in, in New York, in Fordham, Fordham University, uh, where I met all the other um, Timberline members. Actually, uh, I met Inga and the other guys uh, part of the session. And um, lately, um, I've been invited to be part of Timberline, the organizing team, the core team of uh, the summit. And uh, I was very happy for this because I had the chance to, let's say, bring the business perspective, the business point of view uh, and trying to, how can I say, translate everything that was in an anthropological jargon or language into something which is uh, business-wide, which is, uh, I would say, business mindset let's say the 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 client side if i if I can say it this way i'm thrilled to start the 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 coming week because I think there will be um a lot of um good contents uh a lot of experience a lot of projects to see and um and that's it it has been um two years working. From distance on, on, uh, within uh Zoom meeting and then all other web platforms that gives us all the chances to, let's say, establish a relation. Um, even, even without, uh, getting to know each other in person in these two years and getting to talk, uh, each other. Um, absolutely nothing. Uh, to do what is the normal organization of a summit. But so that was weird. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thanks. And so we'll certainly get into some of those challenges, but maybe to just give a, a quick overview, Christine, would you mind, you know, being that you're grounded in Berlin, <laughs> would you just give us like kind of a big picture about maybe the the sessions? And then from there, we we'll can get into some more of like the logistics and what you've learned.
1: Right. Um, so yes, we have actually... Um, we have several sessions we have a keynote and then actually six different offerings uh, events and originally we had planned um i think we will tell tell you a little bit more about what we meant by summit but we specifically didn't want to hold it like a conference where you- but it was very important for us to have uh once when we were still playing it uh, pl- planning it to have in, in 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 person and everybody coming to Berlin that all the people who joined and particularly also businesses who joined and who were curious about anthropology uh, that we were all going through all the offerings together and mostly participating i mean being part of it and so we are still keeping this we are not running anything parallel and to tell you um What we're offering on Monday when we start, we start with a keynote and we're very happy to have people who are uh, an anthropologist who has uh, founded her own business, uh, a non-anthropologist who talks about humanity um, from his point of view, so... um, showing basically the business side and the whole thing is um, moderated by somebody who runs his own business but is also an anthropologist by training who runs his own consulting business so lots of different perspectives Um, we also get um, an introduction by the president of the free university of berlin and then on monday uh, on tuesday we start we have two sessions after one another each session goes for 90 minutes we start what is 10am uh, in the US 4pm um in central european time with a session on making sense of the future how anthropologists see it and we have their very interesting group of um practitioners and scholars coming together and basically looking at how can we how can we address the future the we fu- everybody in consulting aspects always talks about you know future this, future that. Um, but basically, what can anthropology bring to it? Um, and that should be very interesting and also interactive. Yes, so the second session on Tuesday, um, another 90 minute session uh, will be about tax culture in business, and that group is looking at um, how. We all, we individually, how our culture influences what we think about taxes and how that influences also our, you know, production and distribution and consuming habits as human beings. And we question all this um, because uh, some of you might know recently there has been um, some worldwide um, discussion about big corporations um, maybe paying taxes in certain places after all. So that could be interesting. There will be a lot of audience participation um, in that session. And then on Wednesday, we have uh, two uh, special different events. For one thing, there is a Black Lives Matter initiative in the uh, morning for US audience and afternoon for European audience. And that is navigating business as a Black researcher of American descent. This is for anyone who uh, is interested to see how um, to navigate the career ladder, what it means to be a minority in a certain business environment, and uh, what other people can tell us uh, about their experiences. And all along on Wednesday, we have a slightly different format. We call it serendipity. Wednesday, have a coffee and chat at the GBAS cafe um this is where uh, we also go to to a different platform called spatial chat where we invite, invite anyone who's interested to check out our program check out our offerings we have lots of smaller little groups where uh, people can get together and talk about a set topic or anything else that comes to mind and those will be small groups and um uh Yeah, the best way is actually really to check out the schedule to see what's been offering. And that goes throughout the whole day uh, to also accommodate our audiences in uh, Asia uh, as well um, as parts of Europe. Um, And then on Thursday, we continue our regular sessions. We have two sessions on Thursday. One is called Beyond Sustainability. That session questions questions. Um, That notion of sustainability, if that at all helps us uh, becoming more sustainable in our business actions and brings to mind that we are uh, maybe better off being planet centric or considering all other living beings on this planet um, to really challenge ourselves um, to come up with a different way of approaching life, to doing business, to to, um, interact with one another as Consumers and producers. And then uh, in the next session on Thursday, the other 90-minute session, um, the topic is change and diffusing behaviors within organizations. And that questions um, the age-old question of what brings about change and how do businesses respond to internal, internal and external forces. Like all the other sessions, they will bring in examples from businesses they work with and um bringing especially examples on on ways of uh, organ- how organizations communicate the need for change to their various um stakeholders inside and out and then on friday our last session is called uh, another 90 minute session business anthropology for the future and building a knowledge commons and that session um looks at um, basically the all overview of business anthropology and the question uh, what is really business anthropology? How can we um, make it more visible to various interested pl- businesses out there, but also to students interested in studying business anthropology or uh, scholars uh, getting more involved with business anthropology in, in and um, basically exploring how anthropology contributes to the scope and rigor of innovation in businesses, so basically rounding it up and setting the stage for going forward. Great. Yeah. And then we will have some closing sem- remarks. So far, you know, that's our roundup of all our different offerings.
0: Thanks. Appreciate you to, uh, providing that summary. And so, you know, to build on the last one, what I think is interesting is, You know, right from the beginning of your steering committee calls, you were very interested in having business professionals there and anthropologists and, you know, Inga, you uh, you were involved. Yeah. you You said since the beginning when it was at Wayne State. And, you know, you probably know better than anybody that in the beginning, it, it was sort of small, I think almost all anthropologists in Fordham. Now, as a few of us know, it it expanded a bit and there was some, you know, other disciplines there, but it was still mostly anthropologists. And so it was kind of in many ways, all of us sort of speaking to ourselves and saying kind of how good the work we do is. But this year, right from the get-go, you've intentionally tried to, to broaden that and really bring in, you know, business professionals. And so I'd be curious to know, you know, why, I mean, I I think it's obvious, but for Why did you do that? You know, what, what, what are you trying to accomplish with that? Is this a me question? Yeah, sure. Go for it.
2: I'll go for it. Yeah. It's something I, I'm, I'm very serious about what you said, um, Matt, that we speak to ourselves and to each other. And, And it's, that's a natural thing for any of us to do. We find the people that we know will understand what we have to say. It's harder to speak to somebody who has a different dialect, language or set of assumptions and frames. But those are our customers. And I put quotation marks. Those are the people that we need to communicate with if they're to understand a new way of thinking in business. So what we did, and I had an early conversation with with Ed Lebo, who is at the AAA, the executive director. And in our early conversation, we, we were saying, well, what does business need? If we're anthropologists, we should try to empathize and put ourselves into the voice and the dialogue of the business people. What are their challenges? So our call for proposals from our public, from our, the people that we know, and the people beyond who we know, was how would you define the challenges that businesses face? And these sessions that, you, that Christine described and summarized is where you see the result, the answers to that question. So the voice is actually a business's voice. It's what's the future? It's what does sustainability mean? Um, we've all been in those conversations. For you, sustainability is one thing and for um, a, a, somebody else, it's something different. And um, what is inclusivity? Uh, What are all these things that we face in business? How do we represent on an interface? All of these questions, the user experience, uh, need to be presented in the voice of the business if we're to really understand and have those conversations. And um, more than that, we also wanted to have, obviously avoiding jargon because that's, it obfuscates messaging, but... Also, we wanted to understand different ways that people talk about things, and it's not only words. And that becomes more and more apparent as time goes on, um, now more than ever, as we keep on hearing. And we wanted to engage in the conversation with people who do express things, but they express in music, they express in visuals, in art, in design, Uh, And we all know that design anthropology is a really rapidly growing and really important field. uh, And art is always part of that. Um, So in our calls, we also requested that people integrate a lot of different modes into their presentations. And that's not just a word cloud, though a word cloud is really an exciting visual. But what else might it look like? And then we also, in our calls and in our uh, requests, we set the parameters that each session needs to be integrated. So as we all know, when we go to conferences, and this is to one of the points that Christine made earlier, when we go to a conference, it's really common that we find a panel that consists of um I don't think there's an Oshkosh University, so I can say that as a metaphor. The entire panel is Oshkosh faculty, and that does not advance a discourse because it doesn't challenge us. Um, We also find that it's very easy for a discourse to be um, trying to find a stage for one's own view, as opposed to trying to build on the stage that someone else has created. And so that was also very important as we began to bring things together. How do you build on somebody else's contribution as opposed to how do you disagree with somebody else's contribution? Mm. Um, Building the um, Global Black Lives Initiative um, series was very exciting because you already knew that this was a global movement. You already knew that the inequities in the world that were driven by the wrong things, there's never a good thing to drive inequity, but that were driven by things that really can no longer exist. They never could, but they cannot be perpetuated. That session is really interesting because it comes out of, the United States, and then it was picked up. Nobody said, you need to do this in your world. Everybody saw the signals and felt that they could respond and find the same voice. Um, and, And that, as we all witnessed it over the last few years, was very promising and encouraging. And we wanted to tap into that and find the way to bring global Black lives fairness, access, and inclusivity into all realms across the world. And we challenged ourselves in Team Berlin for a, a very long period to ask what that would look like. And then we settled on several things and, and we invite everybody to join and, and um, see what's familiar in there and how you can take the lessons of this Black Lives Initiative in the United States and translate it cross-culturally, finding your own uh, terminology and your own references and methods for um, improving uh, inclusivity and equity. Um, And in that platform, we're we're very excited to have some uh, very experienced speakers, but then also to create an environment where people are really free to ask questions and really concrete questions. How do I do this? How do I get that kind of a job? How did you do it? What were your obstacles and what do you continue to struggle with? And that is kind of an overview. That session is sort of an overview over every one of the other sessions. I hope that answered
0: that question. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. So, Alberto, um, so the word concrete was just used, and I want to ask you a question based on that, but also sort of ties back to my last question. So, again, you're sort of like the non-anthropologist in the group. You've been working with anthropologists planning this for two years. As you said in your intro, you, you, know, you never really met anybody, you know, but you're deeply entrenched in this process. So I'm curious to know in sort of concrete terms, if possible, you know what have you learned from working with anthropologists? you know what what are the the sort of strengths and weaknesses? And this relates you know to the to the summit, but also more broadly just from like this podcast because I'm always on the podcast interviewing people who work who are anthropologists working in business, but I've never had the opportunity to ask a business person, you know what they think of anthropologists. And I'm doing that because I'd like anybody who's listening to like hear that from you so that they can try to you know play up those strengths or or or, sort of defend against those weaknesses, maybe?
3: Well, um, first of all, it has been very interesting and very, um, how can I say, different from my usual um, uh, process in organizing meetings and organizing business projects. Uh, if I may compare, there has been a lot more discussion, a lot more I think a lot more, um, uh, seeing problem or seeing something to do in many different ways, uh, and with, with different ground and, uh, sometimes with a lot, uh, um, discussion and interaction than what I was used, what, uh, what I was used. Uh, but, but that is positive, of course. Um, sometimes there has been some, uh, let's say, uh, feeling that, um, okay, um, the, 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 the voice of non-anthropologists uh, is, is, is interesting, uh, but there is something, uh, that has to be, uh, explained. There is something that has to be, um, different be- um, you know, we are experts on this topic and you don't. Um, but I guess that in in any case, in, in our session, for example, in session six, the one I'm coordinating, uh, we do have uh, interviews with different businesses, business managers, uh, which are non-anthropologists and uh, they, they do recognize the impact of anthropologists for the future. They think that it will have uh, a very strong uh um a very strong uh power to improve business future especially those of uh multinational companies but in general in in i mean we've made this a, a sort of a a linking survey among uh among uh, managers uh non-anthropologists and what comes out that um what they th- it is that it should be a, a, a very strong tool in order to give um, tools to improve decision-making, to improve, uh, and, and this is on a general strategy point of view, from the, the HR and organization point of view in terms of uh for example, marketing and, and advertising, to To have um, a, a better and a deeper insights uh, um, uh, visualization. So this is something that is quite um, um, how can I say clear from these from those interviews, and um, we had some interesting um, say positive attitude to this, and, and this is my as well. Um, and sometimes from the anthropological side, this is seen as a, how can I say, basic and common and too, um, too common um, point of view, not something very deep, not something very um, interesting. But, of course, uh, if you speak two different languages and if you speak two different jargon, you have to be... Communication is a way of putting something in between and to communicate with the the two parts. So it has to be clear. And, of course, the scope of the session and the summit, it is also this one. We made also another survey uh, through the delegates of the summit and the seventy percent are um, well, of those who responded to our to our survey, mini survey uh, are anthropology professionals. Um, but we can assume that the the remaining part could be business managers or students, of course. And so it will be interesting to know also from the interaction between. Question and answer, and the, the the delegates and the speakers, how this will evolve. We will have in the session um, an anthropologist working for Maersk, which is one of the largest uh, um, logistic company in the world, that um, will try to also give some some uh, how can I say perspective from what they they've uh, they've done in their projects to. Uh, try to to cope with this situation and try to, um, uh, let's say, mm, enlarge the, the anthropological culture towards uh, business. Thanks.
0: So, you know, in there, um, I particularly, you know, find it, the, the conversation about, especially, you know, the back and forth that you had between sort of the language and negotiating all that. And it actually even reminds me of, uh, the other day when Julia Ted gave her, you know, her epic presentation, she was talking about how she sort of presumes that, you know, some academics may find like sort of the watering down of some of the anthropological concepts to be questionable. When I had interviewed Simon Roberts, you know, we had a brief interaction about that as well with his book because it was written for a popular audience. But, you know, that, that negotiation is interesting because if we are to sort of get this out into the business community, it does seem like some popularizing or some watering down, right, or of the jargon needs to happen in order to to get a wider audience brought in here, and to get other business professionals sort of understanding anthropology, and looking to hire anthropologists, which in many ways is, you know, I think a lot of the goal of all of this, right? Um, so I, I find that challenge. You know, I find that interesting, particularly you know, you coming from the business perspective and, and having that experience firsthand. But that's just probably one of the many challenges. You know, of course, COVID was broadly speaking the main challenge. Um, so Christine, I mean, do you want to maybe? Yeah, you know, this was planned for 2020. Do you want to just give like a little background of the fact that, you know, this was supposed to happen in 2020 in Berlin in person and obviously covid hit and that all kind of mm. changed and speak a little bit about some of the logistical challenges around, you know, going from in person to virtual.
1: Yeah. I mean, first up, of course, um, you know, we really were wanted to get everybody to Berlin and basically show Berlin as a city that um that includes some of the things already that we're talking about. I mean, in the sense that um, Berlin has, in Germany, one of the thriving startup communities where people are actually looking for other concepts of doing things. You see Inga, who actually um, spent a good portion of all her uh, days uh, in Berlin because she was involved there was a the sharing economy, uh, with the various projects of um you know, including a diverse workforce and we're really longing to show the business anthropology community that vibrant city, <laughs> which is full of diversity and full of um, interesting ways of yeah, social entrepreneurship, for example, you know, attacking or addressing issues of sustainability. And what I find very important as a Berlin resident, we've got a lot of diversity here, but it's not cut out cut off to each other, mainly also because we've got this fabulous public transport system um, that really brings in a lot of connectivity and uh, allows a lot of people to go between different worlds um, that clearly are there. But um, the integration is a quite interesting um, thing to experience. So, you know, we were (laughs) long for dragging our feet for a very, very long time, um, particularly since... um, You know, everybody was already working in their respective groups and um, just waiting to share it with a larger larger audience or including a larger audience. And um, we came with that decision to postpone it from July to next year, June. Basically, when was it? Um, Two or three months before. We were always hoping it would turn the tide. Mm -hmm. And then um, we decided to postpone it and not we we could have done it virtually um, the first go around. Right. But (laughs) we wanted to hold off because for us, it was so important to have that exchange um, to really include Berlin businesses also. I mean, and, and basically showing anthropology to businesses, getting businesses included to get it. So then we, we we postponed it to June. And it was really only this year. When was it? Inga helped me out. Uh, was it February? Yeah, that we decided. Um, yeah. Right, Alberto. It yeah. was February. Maybe it was early March, actually, that we decided, okay, I guess we really, really have to do it virtually. We didn't want to. We were really <laughs> thinking it would be happening in, in June. And right now I'm really, really happy that we're doing it now June and we haven't postponed it any further because As far as Berlin is right now, we are opening up. I mean, Europe is opening up and um, I think we would have kicked us (laughs) had we kept it to July or so. And it also goes along with all the vacation schedules. So now we have a virtual event and it took quite some time to find um, the right platform who can help us with technology. And also when really speaking about a global event, um, how can we make our event accessible across time zones? Mm -hmm. Yes, you can just... Um, host an event, tape everything and make that available. But let's be honest, who's really um, watching a YouTube video of two hours of some something that you really, really have to want it badly, right? <laughs> so uh, we were really struggling finding um, the right time. And this is actually, you know, originally it would have been a two-day event and very intense two, two, two days, mostly, you know, coming together. And so we decided to spread it over five days, Um, and at a timeline that both west west coast east coast u.s as well as europe and maybe up to india people can join but it really is pushing the envelope somebody in australia or in japan can really not participate in the sense that we envision that's too bad but that's the limits of our globe basically time-wise so yeah and then what what is a secure system Um, then cooperating with the university they have their demands of what is an, a secure data. Germans take data security very seriously. So here, we've got the cultural differences, um, being very, very protective of people and sharing their data. So um, we had to accommodate that. Um, and then finding something interactive. I mean, we really do care very, very much that our audience will feel they can contribute. And um so those are all the challenges. Um and then maybe Inga can tell you also more about how our team has, you know, really come up to the <laughs> stepped up to the plate, you know, and particularly Alberto's team with fundraising, they really stepped up to the plate. And and um our team are we ourselves, I mean we've always been virtual. We've we've because we are a global endeavor, we've we've been used to meeting on Zoom, mm-hmm. but it's a whole Different animal to really include people from all over the globe at the same time sure. in a virtual
0: yeah. space. Yeah, no, there's, there's certainly a lot of challenges there. Even, you know, one of the things that I've had a challenge with this past year is there's so many events that I want to attend. But, you know, if it was in Berlin, I would have been there. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's the opportunity to, you know, travel, which I think almost it every is, other yeah, yeah, and loves, and Berlin right.
1: in the summertime is just a different, Berlin in the summertime is just gorgeous, you know. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah.
0: And but then, you know, with all these online events, you have the problem of, you know, if it's going to be during the workday, do I literally take off time from work because I can't work and focus and listen to an event? And there's now over the past year, there's been so many events, right? Even this podcast, right? I started it during COVID because I had some extra time. And right. There's so much of this kind of stuff that happened during COVID in terms of like streaming content, uh, because Everybody was home. And so it's really also produced just even a challenge from a sort of listener or viewer or participant to figure out what can I join and when and sort of, you know, how does that work with like a work schedule or not? And so I appreciate the difficulties that went into that just from that perspective, but also getting this to to reach as many people as possible around the globe. Yeah. Um, which is also, you know, a nice opportunity. But before we maybe get to some of like those really nice positives, like getting people from all over the globe, <laughs> Inga, I mean, you were, you know, you were referenced there. I'd also be curious to sort of hear what it was like, you know, your experience being involved in the U.S. now sort of pivoting, you know, to Germany and maybe some differences hmm. there.
2: Um, first, I, I have to, because I didn't want to interrupt, but I want to, just tell a little thing that has been sort of flying around my mind in the last, um, uh, six months, I guess, with the challenges of the time zone and to, I'm going to go and view the, um, the first session, right? The first session called making sense of the future has this really neat description that, that the audience can go and view, but they say, they talk about, um, taking examples from science fiction and in the process of sense-making about the future. And I'll just say that this is one of the things that was buzzing around my head. Let's imagine that we didn't have time zones. Let's do that for a second. And this is kind of the way I would like to see anthropology challenge itself. Go ahead and take the mind of of a of a science fiction writer because they think beyond the boundaries. So well, let's just imagine we've got this challenge of trying to give access to everybody. Well, what if there's only one time zone? What if every culture and every part of the world, um, it, it was the same time everywhere and every, uh, um, at the same time, but breakfast in one part of the world happens in the evening and dinner in another part of the world happens, you know, in the morning. And, um, and then how does that culture evolve under the strain of that new, of that kind of a system? These are, these are very good examples of what anthropology loves. Anthropology loves the arbitrariness of culture. And somebody had these ideas about time zones. And that's just arbitrary. And now we're stuck with it. And so as we're rising to that challenge, this is a, a time that in my own mind, I've been playing with what else might that look like? Um, so I just wanted to throw that in there because the realities of building this summit have been the actual realization. We keep saying this. We're actually realizing innovation under the challenges of COVID. And we're actually testing the limits of, of what can happen and seeing the emergence of new possibility, um, as we've described already. And the audience has heard a lot about that. I'm sorry, I stole your question.
0: No, no, no. it's a fun thought to think through, though. It is great, (laughs) isn't it? (laughs) So, yeah, I'd be curious to know what maybe, you know, what challenges did you sort of maybe experience going from, say, like, you know, being involved in the U.S. in the past to now doing this in Germany? Yeah,
2: Yeah. great. Any differences Um, there? Each uh, part of the world has a different anthropology, if they have anthropology at all. And in being part of the Berlin Summit and Team Berlin, I've learned a lot more about how German anthropology has been formed. And this is something that Christine has taught me, so I'm not going to steal that. But the general theme is that anthropology in the United States and anthropology in Germany are definitely different. Um, they have different histories, longer histories, bigger obstacles, different obstacles, colonialism of different forms. You know, you, the audience is quite familiar with these these differences, but the realities of a diff, of of having those differences in each country China China anthropology, um, South Asian anthropology, and so on um, really came to to the to our attention as we were bringing these things about and transitioning out of the United States. We had the United States as a host twice. And um, when you carry, our vision was, and and global the summit in general has, has the vision of carrying an idea from one context to another and then opening it and making it available to a whole different stage of people to bring in their perspective and those different anthropologies from their backgrounds and experiences. And so the look of, of um, GBAS 21 Berlin is different than the look of, uh, of what was still then called business anthropology in Fordham. And we feel as if, so for example, the hosting at Wayne State, like it or not, Detroit is, has a history of what it is, it is the auto industry. It has a lot of um, organizational cultural emergence in anthropology there be. The, the, the the Ford, G- GM and so on, has taught anthropology enormously. And I won't go too far in that, but but that's, I think the audience knows fairly well what that history is. And then the great innovations that come as the city collapsed and then began rebuilding really creatively and authentically. Um, and then Fordham, which is in the middle of New York City. It also brings a different sort of anthropology to bear. Um, and that was very interesting. And what we tried to do is to bring all of those in and accumulate those. And that's where the notion in session six, which is Alberto's session of a, of, of a, of a commons, a knowledge commons, comes to bear. And so that we tried to honor that this is um, the experience in Detroit building upon, I, I mean, in, at Fordham in New York, building upon Detroit and, and Berlin building upon those two. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not always easy. It's just like that um, jargon conflict problem where you're taken for granted creates blind spots that you cannot see. And this has been part of our interest. And as we've uh, we haven't mentioned it very much, but these session groups have been working
1: solidly since. Um, October, October, yeah. October 2019, 19. Basically. October 2019. Thank you. So, they, these are teams that are learning from each other in an
2: ongoing way over, you know, nearly a two-year period, mm-hmm. and and as they are integrated teams, they are creating and contributing to that notion of a commons and of building upon. So um, that that kind of sums up how we've experienced these transitions, and we're GVAS is going to Mexico City. Mm -hmm. And we can only imagine what newness might come from that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, that reminds me of, um, the. uh, this stems back to 2019 in Fordham. I don't remember if, if it was something that was maybe talked about, you know, after and the sort of debrief after or sort of somewhere in between, but somebody sort of raised the Common at one point in time, is it you know, business anthropology? Is it anthropology in business or of business or this or that? And I actually had that conversation also with Veronica Riero when I had interviewed her for this podcast. And she was even talking about how, you know, the you know, how language in this case, you know, the Spanish language sort of influences the way she looks at the way you could organize those words. And so you know there's even uh, you know to your point there's just there's these sort of blind spots that we can't really anticipate and so of course bringing everybody together and how that transforms over the course of of time and and now you know geography going into Mexico is is really interesting and really right um, to figure out what what is this space that we're even in and does it make sense globally or not or you know is there any kind of shared understanding so that that sixth session sounds really wonderful um and you know that's the kind of things that we get to learn those those really beautiful opportunities that we have but of course, again, that's not the only interesting opportunity that's come out of this. I know, you know, there's the opportunity to reach more people around the globe because it has it is virtual, which is in and of it in and of itself, you know, a beautiful thing. And there's also, you know, the opportunity to I know there's there's some stuff that you've been doing with interns that's really interesting. So not sure who best maybe wants to respond, but anybody want to jump in on some of like the really bright spots of you know what that's come out of all of this, whether that's going virtual or, or being very global or just, you know, planning something. You know that is, you know, uh, expanding the scope of what business anthropology means. Alberto,
1: maybe,
3: yeah.
1: I'm
3: well, uh, Alberto. Um, as you said before, the the, the meaning of uh, business related to anthropology is quite different from the U.S. in Europe and And then, even in Europe, between Germany and Spain and Italy and so forth. So um I think this also reflects the culture of the of the original country, basically, because the the way that people uh, looks to business is different in the US as it is in uh, apart from the basics, of course. But the way people looks to business is different. Uh, from maybe southern part of Europe and northern part of Europe, and how this connects to sustainability, how this connects to taxation or all the other. Um, Um, It's it's really much much has to do with uh, local cultures. It really much has to do with um, behaviors in business, which are different in different parts of the world and even in smaller in smaller parts of the world. Uh, um, by the way, talking about the session, we will have the second part of the session, which will be focusing on the, uh, let's say, uh, promoting a way of, um, how can I say, market business anthropology throughout the world with a project that starts from the US um, that will be presented by Susan Kresnick and Bob Moraes and um this will be one of the uh one of the way to let's say market and build a global move on that and so this is an open project uh, with open questions with uh, open uh uh from all over the world, starting from the u s because obviously all the movements started there Great. and um On
0: the topic, so I mentioned, you know, the interns and so I know this was something that you're particularly um, proud of. I know you've involved them in a way that's very empowering. They've played a big role in helping put all this together. Do you want to maybe talk a little bit about, you know, their role in all everything?
2: I would like to. um, I'd I'd like to um, take away the word empowering. We didn't empower them. They they saw the need and they defined it. And that's where the learning happened um, with each and every one of them in their own speed and in their own cultural um, preferences. Um, and yes, I am proud of that, but not because of anything that I had done except stay out of their way. You know who was expert in what. Um, what you will see online on the website, what the audience might, uh, our listening audience might find at Global Business Anthropology org is um, a reflection of their creativity and their design. Mm. And um, also I, I have to give a recognition to Alberto because I'll say something that might be, feel a little toxic to some listeners, but anthropologists aren't always so great at organizing, but they're great at big ideas. And we came a long way um, in Team Berlin Without having, and and I credit Christine also, because she's very organizationally attuned. Um, But we came a long way without having solid organizational systems. And between Christine and Alberto, those systems got put into place. And then each of those, um, uh, we we called it um, macro areas. Mm -hmm. Uh, Alberto named them macro areas in each little area. It sounds like a pedantic thing, but this kind of goes to how to... You know how can this be replicated elsewhere? But we also yes.
3: <laughs> if I may add something, something very popular were, was no frill description. Do you remember?
2: That's right.
3: When well, we
2: <laughs> yeah. we were so intent on getting that elevator speech because again the anthropological t- tendency to overspeak. speak. Mm-hmm. Um, we were very intent on capturing what what is really core and important. And we called it the no-frills drill. Also, thanks to Alberto's um, nimble naming. <laughs> okay. So we went through these iterative exercises of drilling down, drilling down. Drilling. What are we really talking about? That's like what happens when you finish your educational training and you, you have no way to put it into five words to tell the public what you're, you've been doing and why it should matter. This is the the why it should matter part. So then, once we had all of that more concretely ar- articulated, then the then the then the interns rose uh, and they pretty much ran each of those macro areas, and there were sort of five or six of them, I think five. And and, and after that point, then we had um, a much more uh, streamlined process. But what I really want to stress for. Uh, any future organizers of an event like this is that generation, although they might not have the theoretical grounding and they might not know the history of the discipline in the way people like us might have, they have the uh, instinct and they have their finger on the pulse of those future directions. And in that way, for example, the social media campaigns uh, were very elaborate because that is the way that generation consumes information. Um, I'm not saying that there's nobody in my generation who consumes information that way or who knows how to do that, but they did direct us. And um, so by stepping out of their way, we, we got some very nice, even, even ways of articulating the ideas that avoided fancy talk. And you're right, Matt, that, that we're always in this tension between Do we build ourselves into something that really um, sounds really complex and important? Or do we articulate something that sort of feels intuitive somewhere? If only we had thought of it, but we hadn't. But thanks to anthropologists, now we have that sort of thinking. That's sort of where we were going.
0: So to... To go back to something you said in there, and, and maybe, Christine, maybe you want to take this being grounded in Berlin, but, you uh, know, you had said, you know, the the sort of no, no frills exercise helped you get down to be able to explain, you know, why does this all matter? So, you know, why does this all matter? Why does it all matter?
1: Um, oh.
0: <laughs> yeah what's you know, what, Every, what is everything the is,
1: everything is connected to everything is what we like <laughs> to say and uh you know really the inclusivity but where it also really really matters is um that um a, applied anthropology and business anthropology in particular hasn't been um, really resonating or hasn't been really discovered in the german world of anthropology and um so it is to really center it now located. Um, for Germany, this can be, depending on who's listening, it is sort of a big deal that we do have now business anthropology and we have it in Berlin as something to, um, sniff out to kind of get acquainted with and to maybe run with it and take it further. And, um, and that's where, why it matters that it's been held in, that's going to be held in Berlin after all and with students who are, um, mostly at uh, Berlin universities, but we also have a student from who, who goes to school in Frankfurt, and one student goes to school actually in. Alberto, help me out. Where's Sophia going? In Milan, is she going?
3: Yeah, in Milan. In Milan. Okay. Yeah, I
1: mean, so and we did invite it. Uh, we did invite interns from other places. So if more would have applied, we would have invited them. But mm-hmm. but locating it here and and pushing. You know, pushing the discipline a little bit further. You know, offering anthropology is is sort of kind of a tiny little subject, it's just one field of the four fields in um, in America here, because archaeology and uh, you know anatomy and stuff like that they're covered by other subjects um, in Germany, um, and some of the European other European countries like Italy or Spain or France aren't that much different. They're not. Their anthropology isn't that well known there either. And if you go even further east as in Poland and uh, Russia and so on and so forth and anthropology becomes yet another thing Um, so it's also we're bringing it really to the future which gets us back to our original theme you know what are we doing about the future and we really strongly believe that anthropology is the discipline for the future of the future and really can help um, young and older people anywhere um, to really come together and um, tackle this Sing, I mean, for me, business is ultimately our, you know, how do we produce, distribute, consume goods and services? And, you know, there's anthropology which can give us lots of ideas, as Inga has also performed for you, to see things differently, to see things outside the box. And so it matters that we are tickling everybody's brain and imagination. And yeah,
0: exactly. so, you know, this podcast typically, you know, this is a little departure from my normal format, right? And it's very much oriented on careers. So maybe as we're kind of getting close to wrapping up here, I'd like to maybe do two things. One, can you share what you're going to do to really help people find jobs, whether that's in organizations or as consultants, maybe, you know, in Berlin, but also, you know, broadly, because this is global, you know, what you know, I appreciate that if it was in person there's networking that happens in a more yep. organic mm-hmm. way. I know you're going to have the spatial sort of audio sessions where everybody can kind of group. That's great, but it's, you know, it's it's it still doesn't um you know, it, it may not allow for as much sort of organic networking as as what traditionally happens. So are you doing anything particular to really help some of these interns or just broadly speaking anybody to find work? <laughs>
1: Yes, and no. I mean, we're we're we we are. It is all about community. What we really want to do with uh, and Inga can speak to this here right after me a little bit more elaborately. um I mean, the whole onset is to to create more community, to really say there's more of us. There's not just our obscure, you know, people who graduated in anthropology and then they didn't find a job in academia, so they do something different, but they don't really talk about the fact that anthropology influences them. And now we want to create community. We say, yes we are anthropologists we're working outside academia but we work outside academia as anthropologists and connect to each other and and by knowing us you know there are you know there's always if there's more of us there's more letters of recommendation to write there's more um younger people could be prouder when they pitch themselves um to companies maybe the obstacles um there's less obstacles for younger people who are students right now to say, hey, I'm applying to you. You are not looking for an anthropologist. I happen to be an anthropologist. Here's what I can do for you. You know, I mean, so it's more about the support, but Inga, you probably have a couple more things to I contribute have, there.
2: Yeah, I have long had this vision that after an event like this, people would build a sense of confidence. I don't think we mm-hmm. give people jobs, but I think that we give people a sense that humans are humans and that the people are approachable and <clears throat> who are speaking should be it should be um I say should i I don't want to say should um the ideal is if if a student feels the confidence that's beyond the classroom, the classroom is always a little bit hierarchical and you have a sense of fear of authority and our hope is that that gets dissolved a little bit here so that one feels um, one feels kin with other people on the screen, irrespective of age, um, irrespective of position, irrespective of, you know, power, influence, and so on. Um, by seeing, for example, Joanna Breidenbach is one of the keynote speakers. She's an anthropologist. She did part of her her doctoral work at Berkeley, UC Berkeley. Um, she doesn't walk around talking about herself as an anthropologist, which is that we leave that aside. We won't talk about that now because it's an ongoing, interesting discussion. But <clears throat> they can see how that person created a, a hugely influential, successful business and they can feel the anthropology in it. And she's pretty busy, so I'm not sure how many questions she can answer. But the notion is that this is a template. This is a model. Um, fear not. Call Alberto, you know, and point of reference to other People who can also answer questions, but the other thing is, you and I were talking earlier, Matt. And one of the things that gets really important is a person's creative soul and and their daring, and that will involve, you know, and and there are many people who do this. That will involve putting yourself into places that you don't feel good, and um, and some of that will involve doing things where you don't feel valued. And some of that non-value is literal because you're a volunteer. But in the process of volunteering, finding something that you have sustainable passion in, um, you'll build up the sorts of chops that you need to really influence a, hi- a hiring agent, a person who's in a position to hire you. I agree.
3: I think that if I may add something, I think that by raising the awareness and the interest in, in, in anthropology, in business so making it more popular and making it more uh how can I say influential that will uh let's say open the road also for new students for um let's say sexiness of the uh, anthropological um background for students for the future so I think this is the role of the summit and in in general of the movement I guess Good.
0: and alberta if, so if some if an anthropologist say like you know maybe a, you know recently graduated anthropologist was applying to something on your team say what would you you know what would you advise any of those anthropologists what would you want to see from them now having the past these you know this experience of working with anthropologists the past 2 years
3: first of all if this guy or lady has attended the summit <laughs> of course <laughs> Uh, far from this, um, no. I would have. Uh, I would like to um, first of all understand the ability of listening, of understanding, of uh, listening, um, and and this is one of the I think crucial point, and the um, uh, I mean to understand if the, the the curiosity and the of the different. Uh, trying to get the different stimulus from different uh, um, practices from different parts of the world and uh, without being stuck into one single conception into one single, um, I mean, topic or something else, but being broad and open. Great. Thanks. Appreciate that.
0: And so maybe to wrap up, you know, there's probably a lot of, People and groups we ought to mention. I'm sure there's lots of contributors, sponsors, other volunteers. Um, I might get this wrong, but it might be the Free, Univ- Free University of in Berlin. I think you're partnered with uh, IASA. I think I saw maybe AAA. I think I saw. So I'll 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 stop naming names there and turn it over to somebody who really knows all those answers. But want to maybe honor you know or, or shout out to anybody else who's been key to all this. Mm.
3: Well, of course. Um, M am strategy, which is the company of Autumn McDonald. She will run the Black Lives Initiative uh, session on Wednesday and also University of Nebraska, Lincoln. And uh, we already mentioned, of course, Frye University, which is uh, uh, donors, contributors, and, of course, AASA and AAA. And other team members?
2: I, I'd Maybe. like to mention two small business um, businesses who have made contributions in kind, and, and Christine, you could um, speak about again about Klaus Taklepa and his company. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, he he has a company it's called Partnership for Development, and he's contributing his time uh, and his moderating skills. Um, that company is located in Bonn and it's consulting um, both in South Africa as well as in Germany, mostly in Germany, um, various um, organizations, institutions and in change management.
2: And also Marguerite uh, Koetze, and I'm, forgive me for not pronouncing it right, Marguerite, uh, in Cape Town. And she's doing something very exciting. And with her time and her skills, she has her own company that's called Omniology. She's an anthropologist who is going to and also a futurist who's going to capture the entire summit in a graphic format and present the summary in the closing session, which we think is rather thrilling because it's sort of the great unveiling of what did we really say what did we really learn and then it opens to discussion after that but that's somebody I'd like to acknowledge for really diving in and um, and taking a chance on us. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. think that's very exciting and the and the interns is a
1: Alberto, do you control that list in your head?
3: Mm-hmm. Sorry,
1: yeah, the list. I mean, the the interns, I you know, I can maybe yeah, start Yeah, can there's...
3: name it some. it's a uh, Kumo Tlaboloa from South Africa, Christina Savikite from Lithuania, or yeah, Lithuania, Sofia Pelucci from Italy, uh, Cheng Sean from, um, well, from Germany. And uh, Jody Wong, uh, even from Germany. And uh, I miss someone? No, I guess not.
1: Bille i ah, sorry, from, Bille From Denmark. Yeah. Or, Denmark and Ge-
2: Germany, yeah. And, mm. and uh, let me add to that. They're all, um, except for Kumo, they're all relate, based in Berlin. But we have a team of 10 interns and only two come from the same country of origin. Mm. So that's this beauty of cosmopolitanism in, in Berlin that gives you a glimpse of that. Mm. Mm.
3: Wonderful. Great. So, and also, one of the latest, uh, sorry, one of the latest, Zach Stevenson from the US. So. Thank
2: you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, in the West Coast, Pacific. In
3: the West Coast.
2: Yeah.
3: In California. As
2: they say, bless
0: his heart.
2: But he's our Silicon Valley representative.
0: Mm. Yeah.
2: And um, hasn't quite graduated high school yet.
0: Oh, Thank you, interesting. Zach.
2: Interesting.
0: Yes. There's so, well. Future. Sounds like a great team. Um, Thanks for all the work you're doing. Again, the summit is June 14th, June 18th. I will link to the website. Um, Inga, Christine, Alberto, I appreciate all your time today. So um, thanks, everyone. And I hope you all attend. So appreciate it.
1: Appreciate it. Bye.
0: See you there. Appreciate
1: it. See you there. Listen, talk to you there. (laughs) Welcome to Berlin. Yes.
0: Thank you for listening to the Anthropology in Business podcast. To learn everything you need to break into business anthropology and why business anthropology is one of the best lenses for contributing to business success, visit my website at madarts.me, where I cover many topics related to business anthropology and beyond. There you will find all the podcast episodes, blogs, and news. Please like, share, and subscribe. See you next time.